Top 5, a show where we rank, we jail, we bar them, we cuff them, and then we put them on a list. <laughs> we, you, what you do on your time is your business, <laughs> This week on Top 5, favorite criminals. Ooh. Favorite criminals this week. Or I, I should say fictional criminals. I, I don't want anybody putting down, uh, <laughs> you know, like Manson or something. Matthew. Yeah. Our favorite criminals. Me, that one time, I stole something. <laughs> oh, and I was like, yeah, nobody caught me. Top five fictional criminals. Let's get through our list. Number five for me, Danny Ocean. Mm. Even many people have seen the Ocean's 11, 12, 13, maybe the 1960s uh, film, the original one. Danny Ocean is this guy that uh, got sent to jail kind of a criminal mm. not kind of a criminal he is a criminal. criminal and uh, <laughs> gets criminal. out of gets out of jail and his last big score is to knock over a vegas casino and the way that he puts his team together and plans it all out to even figure out all the contingencies walks away the hero mm-hmm. or yep. the winner um you know the, the oceans 13 is all a movie about nothing but bad guys even the casino owner al pacino yeah. not al pacino is it al pacino in that one um, Andy Garcia. Andy Garcia. Andy that's who it is. Man, I always get those two confused. Um, uh, and also in the first one, they're robbing three casinos at the same time. I know that's what they up the score. I think in the original '60s movie, it was one casino. Um, but uh, they're yes. knocking over three casinos at the same time, so it ups the ante. It makes it interesting. But they're all they're all criminals. Yeah. Andy Garcia is the worst of those. So you end up rooting for for Danny Ocean in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he makes away with all my money that I lost yeah. to the casino. Darn it. Danny Ocean, my number five. Zach, who do you have on your number five? My number five is from the TV show Breaking Bad, and it is the actual, one of the main, well, good guys, bad guys, uh, Gus. If, you know, if you've watched the show, Gus is the uh, manager of Pollo Hermano Chicken. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. And dude is a stone-cold killer. He had some of the most villainous, horrendous scenes that I've seen in television. And I haven't got through his final season because I actually know how he dies. We haven't got to that part yet. Uh, But he just wipes out people with no emotion. And it is terrifying. And he runs all the drugs in New Mexico pretty much. I have made it through the first two seasons. I haven't gone through anything further. Season three is phenomenal. What's the one where he kills the... uh... Which the the druggy girlfriend, the bad influence is that in three. season two? Oh, that's in a season two. Okay, yeah, I've made it through. Oh, that's that a good. Yeah, season Spoilers. three is amazing. Uh, yeah, no, totally. Uh, <laughs> I've watched the first season of the first episode of season four because you can't watch the end of yeah, yeah. season three without watching the beginning of season four. I may have watched. No, it's, yeah, which is one is of it the season one, the one that has the subliminal messages that make sure that you tell all your friends what a wonderful show it is. Go now. Maybe who knows? I don't or know what that season means. two. Uh, yeah, season four. Have you have you watched <laughs> the series? Dude's throat in the, the first like five minutes of the show. <laughs> have you watched Have you watched the show, Matthew Breaking Bad? No, I haven't. I want to check it out. Give it's the first really season good. a shot. It becomes rather addictive. Yeah, I watched. Ah, the, see what I, I did there. Uh, I watched the entire first season in one day. <laughs> I started I watching it in between where shoots. He had those and three just, sons, and yes. one was a genius, and one was a roughneck. And, mm-hmm. Yes. That was cool. Rodrigo, or I'm sorry, Matthew, what do you have as your number five? My number five actually was almost something entirely different, and I usually don't <laughs> do this, but I'm gonna, because it was a long and arduous argument with myself about what my number five should be. Should it be what I thought it was, or should it be what I decided it actually was? And it almost was Western Card Shark and Con Man Brett Maverick. Oh, good one. And I mentioned that because Steven is in love with James Garner. I am. But, yeah. And I thought about that, and I'm like, this one's great. This one's great. And then all of a sudden, as I was researching my number two, which we'll get to in a minute, I saw a reference. And I'm like, oh, crap. That's my new number five. That's got to be my new number five. It had to be. And I, I broke another rule, which we'll get to in a moment. But my number five is probably best epitomized by the voice of his beloved wife, Stella, who said, Harcourt! Harcourt Fenton Mud! 
Number five, Harry Mudd from the original Star Trek series. We first meet him. He's basically a human trafficker. Um, these characters that he's with may or may not be prostitutes. And he's selling them this drug that makes them super beautiful. And then he gets away. And he's never punished and nothing bad happens to him. And then he comes back later in another episode and all of a sudden he has this giant population of mostly female androids. Yeah, yeah. And I'm watching this when I'm 12 and 13 years old. And I'm like, is this man a pimp? <laughs> space <laughs> and, pimp. I think I think he's a space pimp. Space pimp. <laughs> but it's wonderful because he's played by uh, the late Roger Carmel. And Roger Carmel has this wonderful... He he makes the space pimp approachable and even admirable in his roguish sort of way. And there's nothing about Harry Mudd that you can't love. And here's the thing that's really horrifying and sad in the uh, what could have been sort of way. Do you remember the episode of Next Generation, Stephen, where they unfroze the three people from the past? And they had the yuppie and they had the, oh, yeah, the yeah, rich yeah, yeah. guy and then they had yes. the mom. Yes. One of those characters was supposed to be harry mudd but after the episode was commissioned and written with harry mudd roger carmel passed away oh that would have been that would have been interesting that would have been interesting yeah they put in the rich douchebag yeah, the yeah, 20th yeah. century guy who's like captain the military is never an upscale career that could have been harry mudd that would have been cool <laughs> interacting with commander data i know and it's just one of those moments where you're just like what could have Ben. Mud's women go back. So and watch for me, it. my number five will always be intergalactic, and he's the forerunner of everyone who came later. Intergalactic, rogue, and lovable roughneck slash space pimp Harry. Pimps in space. <laughs> Rodrigo, this was your topic. You get to uh, close us out with your number five here. You're the end of the list this week. Oh, that's great. No, that is great. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'm happy that's the case. Totally sell that, Rodrigo. <laughs> no, I understand how this works. Okay, so my number five is actually a number ten. Bo Derek. All right. What? That one side I, one. Um. Actually, uh, no, you're both wrong. Oh. Um. Now, my number five is 10 from Batman Beyond. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's uh, of the, the Royal Flush Gang, the youngest member of the Royal Flush Gang um, and is a thief, a an awesome, you know, um, flying, playing card, writing thief that uh, steals stuff because her family has trained her to steal stuff. And, you know, in the process of the series tries to turn over a new leaf but it doesn't quite work out you know she's into a guy but he has a girlfriend like things just kind of suck for her yeah but i always found her to be a very relatable character and she had something that for example catwoman never had with the original batman Blonde which is that and and something <laughs> that they I, I felt that they actually have really tried very hard to write into the character which is that she never had a choice to be mm -hmm. a criminal. Mm -hmm. You know, in most of her incarnations, Catwoman decides to become a criminal. In you know, ten starts out as a criminal, tries to get away from it, and it doesn't quite work out. And I found that arc to be interesting, um, although not nearly as developed as I would have wanted. Because in the end, it's a kid's cartoon about punching people. <laughs> so my number five is ten. All right. Here we go with number fours. Uh, my number four, Robert Underdunk Derwilliker Jr., better known as Sideshow Bob. I love Kelsey Grammer's voice. Oh, God. <laughs> and when he can appear on the stage and frame Krusty the Clown for robbing a bank, and then he gets foiled because he doesn't wear big floppy shoes for comedic effect. He actually has giant feet and when bart and lisa put him away and sideshow bob threatens to come back and kill him and he about every season i think for 20 years sideshow bob is in at least one episode trying to kill bart and lisa and kelsey Grammer brings that character to life in such a way that on the one hand he's vile and terrible but on the other hand 
He's oh so funny, especially when he has to use his slide whistle when he's sad. Boom. Sideshow Bob, my number four. Uh, Zach, what do you got on your number four? Number four comes from a movie that when I first saw it blew my mind. It was Fight Club. And my number four is Tyler Durden. Uh, Dude orchestrates a a gang that technically spans the entire nation. And they end up beating up random people, squirting them with hoses, putting porn in your films, uh, blowing up banks. Dude was freaky but awesome what was that for matthew (laughs) (laughs) dude was freaky multiple personalities multiple personalities he made soap from human fat it was weird all of a sudden zach sounded like a grown-up for a second it was weird (laughs) it's a fight club makes him adult Yes. Let's see, is Fight Club on the list if people listen to the Major Spoilers podcast? We've been doing a segment called Zack on Film. Films that young Zack should watch. Zack on Film. Fortunately, he's watched it, so that's good. Matthew, what do you have on your number four? My number four. My number four is probably iconic in a certain age group if you're old like steven and i what if i start to say why didn't nobody tell me about this if i I start to to say a certain phrase you (laughs) you will know whom i'm speaking of you will know when i start to say in 1972 a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit these men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the los angeles underground today still wanted by the government they survive as soldiers of fortune if you have a problem if no one else can help and if you can find them maybe you can hire the a team gi joe oh shut up <laughs> <laughs> Steven, Steve, I kill you. I kill you, Steven. (laughs) And my number four, the leader of the A-team, one John Hannibal Smith. Um, Quite frankly, one of the most charismatic actors of any generation, George Pappard. Really criminally underrated as an actor, but he put such brilliance and such wonder into this character because the man is a military tactician. He is a highly ranked member of the United States military, and he's also a goon. He's, he calls himself a master of disguise, but his disguises are really, really silly. Well, and he always wears his black leather gloves yes. and has a cigar. Some of his, come, some of his, I mean, seriously, when he was it's doing 80s the, television, uh, number one Asian character <laughs> in the credit. Well, still, but, but okay, so how I bad love that absurdity built. How bad these guys are part of the Los Angeles underground. If you can find them, the military can't find them. Go down to Hollywood, go to one of those sets, go to one of the lots. George Pappard, or the character, uh, the leader, he was working as a double. He was working as a, he was a bit player all the time. If you wanted, so he had to have been known in Hollywood circles because he was constantly being called back to work on films. How could the military not figure this out? What was he known as? The thing about it is Hannibal had such joy. He on a jazz. Hannibal on a jazz again. Yeah, drinks. He had such joy in what they did. I love it when a plan comes together. Right, right. No no matter how terrible the situation, Hannibal was having fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hannibal was, I mean, Hannibal was absolutely enjoying himself. And the fact that he's a former, you know, colonel in in that early kind of Rambo era, where a lot of times the military mindset was perceived as humorless and blah, 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 blah. right, right. And Hannibal was goofy and fun, and he was fun-loving. He could be serious when he needed to be, and when he wanted to play drama, George Pappard could just act the crap out of stuff. You, you say he's an underrated I, actor. I, I just love. I think George oh, Pappard yeah. became an underrated actor once he hit like fifty. Because if you go back and look at the stuff when he was a young, young, young guy, my God, he was good looking. Yeah, and he could act the heck yeah. out of anything. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah. That's a good number. He's four. one of the reasons why I went and watched Breakfast at Tiffany's, which is a decision yeah, yeah. that I've never regretted. Yeah, you were John seen that movie, Hannibal yeah. Smith, Colonel. That's a good one. Oh, and he was Banachek, but I didn't necessarily care for Banachek. <laughs> 
I didn't like Manichek as much as I liked Mannix, and I yeah. felt like they were in that same vein. And then Beretta did it better. So, but John Hannibal Smith is my number four. All right, Rodrigo, your number four, please. My number four is number eight. Oh, the Juggernaut. Oh, good one. <laughs> because little. Uh, yes. The Juggernaut, a uh, notorious X-Men villain for wearing a dome for a helmet. Dome head. Yes. Um, is great as a criminal because he is the kind of criminal that robs banks, right? He's, you know, he's in it usually for the money um, and sometimes rarely for, you know, uh, cheesing off his brother or his half-brother. But usually <laughs> he's in it for the money. But unlike a lot of other criminals who sneak in places and, you know, steal stuff that way, he just kind of runs at a building and then crashes into it, grabs what he wants and runs out the other side, not using any doors. And you can't stop him because he's the juggernaut. Nothing can and stop then Spider-Man's the juggernaut. And Spider-Man's all like, eh, 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 and punches him for like a week and they can't stop him, right? Um... Uh, obviously, if you're only familiar with the Juggernaut from the X-Men movies, that's not what his deal is so much. Um, although it is kind of a, a similar thing. Um, in the comics, his power comes from magic, which I always thought was super stupid. But so is the Juggernaut. And that's why it's cool. <laughs> oh, good one, number number four from Rodrigo. All right. Number three. You're all the way to number three. Uh, my number three, also a cartoon character, also... Created by Matt Groening. Bender Bending Rodriguez. Mm. Why? Why is he such a criminal? Because he's stealing all the time. The guy has no more, the robot, I should say, has no moral compass. I think they didn't install that mm. at the factory. I think that was an add-on for bending unit number 22. Well, that's, that, that's not standard equipment. Yeah, yeah. that's that's an add-on. That only comes in the deluxe model. No moral compass. He's got Gator, though. Um... <laughs> Uh, no moral compass. He's always <laughs> stealing, no matter what, and he makes no no excuses about it. You know, he gets caught with a uh, chest full of gold. Yeah, I stole it. So what? You want to make something? Up? And he just, yeah, I'm bad. Go on. <laughs> and heaven forbid he ever puts on that little metallic goatee, then you're really in trouble. Uh, I love Bender. That is a, such a great character that you can take a bad guy, a guy that really is not very good mm -hmm. and turn him into something that you can enjoy and root for time and time again, more so than Sci than sideshow Bob or Danny ocean. Mm -hmm. So number three bender from Futurama. Uh, that's my, uh, one of my favorite fictional criminals. What do you got? Zach? Number three, my number three comes from another movie that just recently came out that <laughs> I, Oh, shut at you. That, yeah, see? <laughs> <laughs> that when I saw it in the theater, I got to watch it by myself inside a really tiny theater because our Hayes Theater is small. You're and, watching the one on the 42-inch screen? That um, theater? Number eight? Yeah. Num oh, no, actually, it's number four. Oh, okay. The very far back one. Oh, I number thought that eight, was number eight. No, number eight's the second, the first one on your right. Oh, okay. Doesn't matter. The small one, 42-inch screen. Yeah, yeah, small one. Uh, anyways, not a lot to do in Hayes, Kansas. Is what <laughs> this is getting at. <laughs> this movie was called Drive, and the central character oh, yeah. doesn't ever get named, so we just call him Driver. And you almost forget that he actually is a criminal, but in the opening sequence, you learn that what his gig is is to just you hire him, you pull you pull your crime. He gets you out of there. Mm -hmm. And so he does that. He does that twice in the movie. But throughout the rest of the movie, he is just killing a fool. He stomps a dude's head in. Oh, in great in graphic detail. Graphic detail. Breaks a dude's kneecaps like in the ocean. Uh, just does all sorts of things. But for the good of a family he's protecting. I mean, if that's, if that's, if that's a good thing, you can decide that yourself. Um, but he... Is just an amazing character. He doesn't talk that much. No. Nope. Very little lines. Mm -hmm. Uh good criminal driver. Have you guys seen that movie? Rodrigo or Matthew? I have not. It's no. awesome. Listen to the soundtrack. The soundtrack. I haven't made up my awesome. mind if I like that movie or not. Drive. I've actually only watched it twice because 
I watched it in the theaters and then I watched it when I got it and then I forgot how violent it was so I haven't watched it for a oh, while okay. but I want to watch it again because each ocean yeah all right Matthew your number three please my number three number three number three number three number three I sometimes like to just say number three comes from the far flung world of the future. But we first met him in the past where people talk like this. <laughs> when we first meet this character, he is running an enormous con pretending to be something that he's not to sell something that he doesn't understand to someone who won't be able to do anything with it when he could theoretically travel back in time and just take the money which doesn't make any sense, but it's okay because it's a really awesome story. And it ends up with uh, the ninth doctor dancing. And that's kind of nice. And I'm of course referring to captain Jack Harkness. If that is his real name, which by the way, it's totally not. Um, but captain Jack spoiler. is a criminal <laughs> in spoiler in the, uh, in the eyes of the 51st century uh, police from whom he stole his particular uh, cargo in that episode. It's also the MacGuffin of the story, which I won't spoil because it's pretty awesome and also terrifying and touching. Oh, such and a, such a, a bit hot. such a great two-parter like that. Yeah. Is, that is straight up great doctor who right there. And it, it runs the gamut. You've got your tragedy. You've got your horror. You've got your wonderful romancy thing going is that the, on. Is that the one with the Done children well, and the, the oh, gas mask? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. The, that's yeah. the empty that's, child. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. The one, the empty that's child scary. and the doctor dances. Mm -hmm. And he eventually comes back and ends up becoming a recurring companion and turns into a flat out hero and ends up giving his life, but it's okay because it turns out he has a million of those. And gets his own spinoff, but he never quite gets away from being the vaguely skeevy con man <laughs> that we see him in that first appearance. Yeah. And he, you know, he always has that air of, I can take your money and cut and run, no matter whether he's, you know, the military head of Torchwood or not. There's always that little expectation that Captain Jack is going to leave you in a motel bathroom covered in ice with a note that says sorry and stitches where your kidney used to be. And I, I, I happen to love that about the character, that he ends up being noble and heroic by also, also being creepy and just a little bit untrustworthy because that's kind of hard to do. Especially when he, you know, he zooms back and forth from this light and frothy flirt with anything on legs. And by the way, I don't know where he kept that blaster, but I don't really want to ask right. to falling into turmoil and just incredible, dark, horrible emo melodrama. If you've seen the end of Torchwood Children of yeah, Earth. Boy, that was a. Oh, my God. They, they hurt that character. They yeah. hurt that character. And you can tell. And that's another moment where you're just like, this is such a great character to deal with. And he's such fun to watch. And I can't believe that he works as the central figure of his own stories. But my number three, of course, Captain Jack Harkness, not his real name. I hear his real name is uh, the face of Bo. That's what, it, what, it is. what they call them. <laughs> he has a cousin called the face of Luke. <laughs> they used to drive around in this orange space car and jump over things with, with no gravity. <laughs> Yeehaw! Oh boy, those face of boys! Face of boys, are in trouble. Those face boys are in trouble. How are they gonna get themselves out of this one? Well, it uh, turns out there's no gravity in space. So the okay. uncle face of Jesse is always looking at him severely, pointing <laughs> the finger, pointing the finger. In trouble. Yeah, uh, but their uh, their cousin, their cousin the face of Daisy is face my ass. <laughs> All right, let's get to Rodrigo's <laughs> number three. Ah, uh, yes, my number three. <laughs> it has been on this list for quite some time since early this afternoon when Stephen sent me an email and said, hey, we're doing this. So do it. <laughs> yes, number three. Uh, my number three is a criminal... Uh, by the society or, or branded a criminal by the society that he lives in, but is actually kind of a hero. Um, but he also ends up getting the protagonist in a lot of trouble um, because of his actions. And I'm talking about Archibald Tuttle from Brazil. Mm -hmm. 
He is a a renegade air conditioner repairman. That is what he is. He help he repairs air conditioning for people. Um because the the government and the bureaucracy doesn't move fast enough and often people fall through the cracks. And they have branded him a criminal because he brings this up. Um, and the central, like, basically what kicks off the movie Brazil involves him. But you do get to meet him and you do get to see him. Um, and the fact that he is branded a terrorist because he repairs air conditioning, al- almost more so than the character himself. Just the, the reason why he's a criminal in this ludicrous society is um is is really why he's on my list. Yeah, his ending is very sad. Yes, unless you uh watch the happy ending, in which case <laughs> uh you fall asleep before it's actually over. There you go. All right. Uh yes, you know, some of these people ask, "Well, how do you guys come up with these topics?" Well, usually I go around and say, "All right, everybody, it's time to send me a list of your top uh, top 5 topics that we can cover." And then about a month later, because I was going back through the charts and I realized that, oh, in the month of November, we had no shows. And then in December, we had two shows. And now we're into three weeks since the last episode. So it's like, oh, my gosh, we must remedy this. Let me go through. Oh, there's Rodrigo. Oh, fictional character, fictional villains. Oh, that'll work. And then I send out the the email. So, Stephen, yeah, Stephen, every once in a while says, send us top five topics. And each of us sends him a bunch, and then yes. he picks from that bunch. Yes. Some of them uh, are good. Some of them are bad. <laughs> you know, top five colors, I don't think we're going to uh, be able to do. Because everyone knows of, that is not no, a color. No, it's, 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 in the, it's in the 64 pack. Oh, God. Crayolas. God. What happened to the days of Burt Umber? Um, so, yes. And we will try to get back onto a regular schedule now. Van Dyke Brown. Yes. Umber? Joy of Painting. Van Dyke Brown is always there. Yes. We will try to get back into a regular schedule, but first, our number twos. Oh, yes. Number twos. So, the characters that I have listed before, the fictional criminals, have been somewhat likable. Danny Ocean, likable. Sideshow Bob, likable, but you don't want to sleep with one eye open. Bender, you know, hey, get him drunk and he'll be happy. Yeah, Bender. Ben, it's hard to not like Bender, even yeah. as he's stealing yeah. your wallet with yes. his extendo like, arms. Yes, <laughs> bite my shiny metal daffodil. My number two is not a good person. Mm. He's ruthless. He's methodical. You cross him, he will stab you, kill you, r- steal your funds. If you anger him in any way, he's not going to just take out you. He's going to take out your entire organization. And he does it in such a way where it kind of seems interesting. We're talking about Parker, created by um, Donald Westlake, writing under the name Richard Stark. Many people may have come across uh, the Parker stories um, back in the 60s and 70s when a number of actors portrayed him on the screen. Um, Other people may have become acquainted with the Parker stories through Darwin Cook's books. Mm -hmm. Uh, These take place in the 19 late 50s, early 60s. he beats women. He uh, has no problem stealing your identity. Uh, like I said, if you look at him wrong, he has no problem just decking you and taking your car uh, kind of stuff. He's not a nice guy, but he's interesting for some reason. He's always will- He's always able to complete his mission no matter how dire it gets, and he always puts the... Now, he doesn't go after the common man. He goes after other criminals. Um, one, one, uh, story, they try to rob an entire town while they're all at the school play or something like that. Um, they're actually making a new, uh, Parker movie starring, uh, what's his face from, uh, um, driver. Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Gosling, I think is who is, who's in it. Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Ryan Gosling. Um, no, Jason Statham is playing Parker. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's not Ryan Gosling. Jason Statham. Um, so it'll be interesting to they're see. The same guy. He changes his name for guys' purpose. And their their hairstyle. <laughs> and uh, boy, I tell you, Jason Statham really lost a lot with Crank Two. Lost a lot of cred with me with Crank Two. Don't see that movie. Um, but Wasn't something about what's that? Wasn't planning on good. It. Uh, something about Parker really intrigues me, and he makes it on my number two fictional characters list. Uh, Zach, what do you got for number two? Number two, I I had some issues with this one mainly because. Uh, I didn't want to double dip from two sources, 
But then I thought about using a character from the Game of Thrones book I'm reading right now, but that didn't feel like he was a criminal. I just wanted to put him on there just so I could rant about how much I hate him. Yeah, we gotta so be careful that. about that because yeah. didn't next thing that. you know, you'll have people telling you that it's not oh, no, trust a cookie. Me. I already I already ran it on Twitter the okay. other day. Anyways, number two oh, also comes from the world of Breaking Bad, and it is the title character of Walter White. <laughs> oh, is it title character Mr. Break Mr. Bad. <laughs> Mr. Breaking. Uh Walter Walter White's descent into darkness of Breaking Bad is is honestly phenomenal to watch yes. and frustrating the entire time yes. because really in the first season you you can root for him yes. because he has a point of what he's doing mm-hmm. in making the drugs and he has a clear decision like I'm going to get out mm-hmm. and then he, ke- he keeps on going and it starts sliding and sliding mm-hmm. and sliding and he just it's, it's, starts just dipping down into the darkness of what he could actually be and you end up hating him. And, really, and I will. Oh, I we are, of, I argue with my roommates about all the time if he's good or bad or who hates him. And I where hated I him for a where while. I left the season, and this is a couple of years ago. Where I left the season, I was already not liking him. But it's fa- again, Matthew. If you haven't seen this series, oh, it is this slow descent la, 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 into la, la, la. <laughs> how good intentions yes. really turn bad. Would you like to? I watch something at the end of. No, that's okay. End of two. You can hear Matthew doesn't want to hear it because he's now interested in watching the series because you recommended it. Uh, okay, I'll tell you after this. So um, just this doesn't spoil anything, Matthew. No. But the idea is uh, Walter White discovers he has cancer. He doesn't have enough insurance to pay for it. He's a school teacher. He's a chemistry instructor, and. He can't pay for it, but he knows that meth is a very big deal and you can make a lot of money cooking really good meth instead of really dirty meth. And because he's a chemist, he knows how to make the best meth out there. And so he's taking and selling all these drugs to fund his cancer cure yeah, uh, or his cancer treatment, I guess I should say. Yeah. And it just goes downhill from there. It just going bad and worse and horrible and, oh, what are you doing? And then breaking Yes. And getting badder. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I, and I recommend son, this. Malcolm comes home from military school and all hell breaks loose. I recommend that you watch now. Watch the series. It's very good. Yeah. Both Walter White. Yeah. Criminal for the ages. Number two on Zach's list. Matthew, who do you have on your number two? My number two is a person with a hat. And <laughs> thank you. I'm done. Oh, wait. Oh, sorry, that's Brett tomorrow. Maverick. I always get those. <laughs> <laughs> I always get those confused. Like Zach, I was afraid of double dipping. But as I mentioned at number five, there's no way that I could not double dip given the quality of my number five choice and given the utter bastardry and yet wonderful charm of my number two choice. My number two choice, um, actually as an actor showed up the very first time that anyone attempted to do anything like what he eventually became known for and later created essentially the dramatic and most dynamic and really iconic portrait of the alien race known as the Ferengi. And of course I'm referring to uh, quark of mm-hmm. star Trek deep space nine quark is wonderful because there is never a successful attempt to redeem him. Quark's entire people, his planet, his world, is run on the expectation that everybody is corrupt, morally bankrupt, and as long as there's profit in it, it's kind of okay. Yeah, they follow the rules. They follow the rules of acquisition. Yeah. But one of the rules of acquisition is war is good for peace. Mm -hmm. War is good for money. And Quark is all about Quark. Quark is all about what is good for Quark to the point where, you know, he he has his own brother working as essentially slave labor yeah. in his bar. He treats his son, or rather his nephew. I always think that Nog is Quark's son illegitimately, and, and he convinced Rom to raise him. Maybe. Because Rom is, is like 100% virgin. But Quark, this is the fascinating thing about Quark. Quark opens a bar on a space station run by the evil, essentially Nazi Cardassians, right? He runs this successfully, runs scams under these evil, oppressive Cardassians. Then the Cardassians pull out, and he works under the Bajorans, 
who are just these wild-eyed crazy people who've been oppressed for 70 years. Then the United Federation of Planets comes in with their bright and shiny and their rules and their laws. Quark continues running his bar and his businesses exactly the way he's always run them. So no matter who's in charge, no matter what they do or how smart they are or how evil they are or how sharp-eyed they are, Quark does what Quark does. He makes money. And there are several points during the series where Quark being a criminal and being involved in criminal enterprise saves the universe. He has connections that no one else in the entire world, in the entire station, in this entire little cosmic realm has. And the fact that he is this, you know, this corrupt little man becomes this wonderful running gag. And his best friend is the man whose job it should be to run him in and shut him down. Which is fascinating to yeah, me. Yeah, Odo. Yeah. My number two, Quark. You know, the Ferengis are in an interesting evolution of a species in Star Trek. Because when you first meet them, they are mm -hmm. just these savage little... Yeah, they're weird, feral yeah. creatures. And then by the time you hit Deep Space Nine and you meet Quark, and really by the time that that series yep. ends, you're like, wow, the Ferengis have mm -hmm. been elevated to a different status. Um... It, yeah. It's fascinating but to see that evolution the, occur. The wonderful thing is the fact that the Ferengis change mostly because Quark's portrayal mm -hmm. is so awesome. Mm -hmm. Because the things that we see Quark doing redefine retroactively what a Ferengi is. Right. Which is absolutely fascinating. And it comes to a point where when you watch those early season, season one of any Star Trek show is always hit and miss. It's always going to be kind of a crapshoot. Quark hits the ground running, and the Ferengi just in Deep Space Nine, they are pretty much in that first appearance fully realized and ready to roll. They are flat out of the box, plug and play characters, partly because of Quark and, and Armin Shimmerman playing Quark just being so wonderfully slimy that they're like, you know what would be funny is if his whole planet is like this. Yep. It just makes perfect sense. Yep. The only bad part about it is, you know, there are people who take it as questionable that they have mm, yeah. the expectations of, you know, Certain and the fact that people. nearly all the Ferengi are played, yeah, are played mm -hmm. by men of that group. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, all of the major Ferengi characters. So I can see being bothered by that. But for me, it's. It's kind of a non-issue because it's just – there's too much fun to be had. If you've ever seen the episode where Quark ends up inheriting a Klingon house and has to fight for the, the honor of the <laughs> Klingon house, oh my god. It is so wonderful to see him completely out of his element in armor with a bat left. Yeah. That right there was worth the price of admission. That's season six in a nutshell for me. Quark gets in a fight with a bat left. <laughs> Rodrigo, you're number two. Uh, my number two is yet another uh, character from comics and cartoons. Um, there's a lot of those going around. What? Uh, and it is somebody who is uh, often, who is usually from our perspective seen as a criminal, but sometimes from the people that he's around or, or the people in the city is not seen as a criminal. Um, and I'm talking about Lex Luthor. Mm. You know, he was, uh, he was there actually, are, there are lots of portrayals. He was actually on my early number two list. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lex Luthor has, a, uh, he's had a lot of characterizations uh, and a lot of very drastic contrast in the way that he's written. Um, the Lex Luthor that I'm talking about is that almost reasonable Lex Luthor. Mm -hmm. That guy who has a lot of money, a lot of power, is a, a genius as far as a human can be a genius. Is just, you know, understands everything about business, understands the technology that his company's developing. You know, maybe he's not the smartest guy. He didn't build a Mezo, but he's like the guy who paid the guy to build a Mezo kind of thing. You know, that sort of guy. Are you talking about um, Lex Luthor from Superman the Animated Series, that incarnation? Because that's kind of what you've kind of summarized. Um, that's pretty close. That is pretty close. Um, it sounds like he's describing that John Verne revamp from 86 that informed that series mm, and a lot mm -hmm. of the Lex Luthor for the last but, 20 But years. not the Lex yeah, Luthor I mean, that stole 40 cakes. This Lex Luthor. Yeah. 
Because no. that's <laughs> awful. Yes, not, not that Lex Luthor. The, the Lex Luthor that I'm talking about would have bought those cakes because <laughs> it would have been easier. Um, but yeah, I'm talking about a guy who's like, he sees Superman and he's threatened by Superman, you know, for personal reasons, I think, you know, but he manages to, and that's fundamentally in the end what makes him actually a bad guy. Um, and, but his argument is very reasonable. Here's this cosmic entity who is incredibly powerful. And all we have to go on is his word that he's not going to go rogue. I'm going to develop something to kill him because he's clearly a huge threat. Also, you know, I'm bald and my masculinity and blah, blah, blah. But seriously, you guys. So that Lex Luthor is fascinating because at times he's right. At times he's correct. Sometimes there are stories in which Superman goes bonkers and then Batman has to show up and hit him with a kryptonite ring. But in those flashing moments that the writers have put in to tell another story, in those moments, Lex Luthor is correct. In those moments, he's not crazy. Um, unfortunately, then he puts on a green suit and flies around Metropolis, like, <laughs> blasting random buildings. Pew, pew, and stealing pew, pew, pew. 40, 40, 40 cakes. cakes. Yes. Yeah, That's four cakes. times ten. Yes. yes. So, yes, Lex Luthor is my number two. Excellent. You know, it's, you sure it's a... It's a m- number one? No, apparently pretty close. You know, we have gone through this list and we really have not mentioned a lot of comic book villains. And in my first pass, I had a bunch of comic book villains. I was like, oh, you got to put this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy on there. Lex Luthor, like I said, was on my original number two. And I was like, well, wait a minute. You know, there's criminals and then there are criminals that have a little bit more broader perspective than just the punching bag for the hero. Right. Right. And so... I really had to go back and revise my list, but I'm really surprised that we didn't have more comic book villains on this list considering what we do for the most yeah, part. Yeah, you would think there would be. Um, nerd around the house. Yeah, nerding mm-hmm. around the house. I, I should have gotten the boy down here. He could have talked about bad guys. Oh, man. Well, let me go wake him up. Yeah, let's oh, go wake him up. I don't want to wake up. Actually, he'd probably love waking up. Um, <laughs> I think one of the things that makes a criminal very interesting is if that criminal finds a way of redeeming himself, mm-hmm. right? And so when for my number one, I found a character that, when we first meet him, is a criminal. He steals, he um, you know, takes bread, he takes fruit, he takes whatever he needs, clothing, um, but he does it in order to survive. But because he's stealing, he's branded a criminal. And eventually he gets thrown into jail. But while he's in jail, he escapes. So that makes him even worse (laughs) criminal, right? But he goes on to discover the Cave of Wonders. He saves the princess. He redeems himself. And he becomes the prince of the entire land. Mm -hmm. I am, of course, talking about Disney's Aladdin Mm. and how Disney portrays that. It's a whole new world here. It is a whole new world. And, um, you know, it starts out in his first song that we hear about him is how he's got to stay one step ahead of the, the law yeah. because they're going to throw him in jail. <laughs> but by the end, it is a whole new world for uh-huh. him. He's redeemed himself and he's made himself better than where he started. And, um, and I, and I think his actions speak louder than words, especially when he does the heroic stuff, uh, that brings him up from that criminal level status. What were you going to say, Rodrigo? Oh, gotta, gotta steal to eat. Gotta eat to yep. live. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Tell you all Prince about it when I got the time. I I listen to that. As you know, that's like I listen to that soundtrack backwards and forwards. You know, it probably is the best animated Disney movie. I agree. I, I literally for you know you ain't the never Christmas had a it's like entirely that. possible that Christmas that that movie came out because I had I was working at the radio station. I had no reason to go home. Nothing else was going on. I bet you for about a week and a half, almost every day I went down to the theater in the nice. afternoon to go see Aladdin. It was that good of a movie. Yeah. And I, even though I knew it all, I just sat there with mm-hmm. my jaw open going, oh my God, look at the animation, look at the characters, look at the detail, listen to the music. Oh, it was such a brilliant movie. Yeah, Aladdin, there's something about it. I don't think it's fair it. that, Disney, that Lion King gets the Disney masterpiece seal and Aladdin doesn't. It's not fair in my mind. You know, I Lion have King a- is good. We bro. would, we would, to be honest- 
we would probably see more from Aladdin. Granted, we got all those spinoff movies. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. To where there's even a movie called uh, Aladdin, the King of Thieves or something like that. We mm-hmm. probably would see it's more. Aladdin, the King of Thieves. We would have seen more of Aladdin had Robin Williams not sued Disney. Didn't I know he did that. Yes, because one of the things that happens with Disney movies is you have merchandise that goes with those. They make a bazillion dollars. And they make a bazillion dollars off of that. But sometimes you have to throw a little bit away in order to make the bigger money on the back end. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they threw away were these little McDonald's toys. And they used Robin Williams' voice in those McDonald's toys, which he had not authorized. Uh, And so they went into a big lawsuit over that that lasted many years before they finally settled it. And uh, that's why when the Aladdin... um, animated series was going on on TV. They didn't have Robin Williams doing the voice because they were in a big, bitter lawsuit. I think they finally, they did finally patch it up, but uh, it really, I think, hindered. may have been too expensive. Yes. Yeah. And I think it was, uh, it hindered, I think, the buildup of that character Mm -hmm. and that that movie. Um, Jasmine, yes, great princess, Disney princess, and, and still continues to be very popular. You don't see too much of Aladdin. You don't see too much of the genie. And I think it's because of that lawsuit was the big thing. So, but still, Aladdin, uh, my my top fictional criminal. Zach, what do you got? All right, my top fictional cr- criminal is also follows he follows uh, a lot of the same arc that Aladdin does for the most part. In the fact that when he comes into the story, he is a he's a shady fellow that our heroes meet up in the bar to get help to accomplish their mission. And eventually ends up saving everyone. And I am talking about the great, the wonderful, the Harrison Ford, the Han Solo. There you go. He's wonderful. He is a blaster. He has a friend that is a giant Wookiee. I wish he just would shoot first, though. <sighs> you know, if he was <laughs> yeah. only just a little bit faster. Stupid aliens always get uh, a drop on the humans. Dang it. Yeah, he he gets really slowed down by the fact that his head is sometimes briefly CG. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of people forget that Han Solo is Han, a is a criminal. He's a smuggler. He's a smuggler. He did the castle run in twelve parsecs. Twelve parsecs. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, at least I know you've seen Star Wars. We can cross that off the list. Uh, yeah, Han Solo. That's how fast awesome. he is. You have they measure him in, um, in, uh, in something distance. that doesn't even measure time, <laughs> yeah. distance, or anything. Did you just cross Star Wars? Off I the did list? cross Star Wars <laughs> yes. off the list because at least Woo. you've seen that, so that's good. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, you probably have never seen the original. Yes, I have. Do you have a VHS player? Uh, no, but we used to. But I also have the special edition DVDs that have the original cut really? on them. Yep. Hmm, okay. All right, good for Zach. All right, Matthew, it is up to you to bring us your number one and make it a good one. No Aladdin, no Han Solo. My number one is a great one. Both criminals have redeemed themselves. My number one is a great one. Okay. Years and years ago. Well, you have to understand, there's different definitions of criminal. Is it me? As Han Solo (laughs) proved, well, I I I don't know. I'm a smooth criminal. What are you guilty of? You are a smooth criminal, and you do spend a lot of time asking Annie if she's okay. Yeah, yeah, Annie, I do. Are you okay, Annie? Yeah. <laughs> but I thought it was just because you like community. But sometimes being a criminal is a matter of circumstance. Sometimes you're not a criminal because you do bad things, but because you disagree with the people in power. And sometimes you become a criminal because an unjust society places you in the light of criminal you you could be like john bender unfairly put into detention for weeks and weeks at a time or you could be like han solo who made the kessel run so quickly that he actually changed distance and time into one another (laughs) but in some cases You may actually be a young man who is thrust into greatness and finds your own inner strength. Finds that strength to gather like-minded individuals and to fight against the evil Zangyak Empire, no matter where they rear their ugly rubber Japanese monster heads. And of course, I'm referring to Captain Marvelous, or as they call him in Japan, Captain Maburasu, the leader of the Kaizoku Sentai Gokaiger 
the, of course, the latest obsession that my child and I share, the Red Ranger of season 35 of the Japanese Super Sentai series, now, which now, became Power Ranger. Now tell me how he that is a criminal. That sound you just heard was Steven's eyes rolling so hard. <laughs> no, I just want to know he's how a he's pirate, a criminal. First of all. Oh, a pirate. Okay. He is a pirate. He is a member of an, of, uh, originally was a member of a crew of the Red Pirates. When we first meet him, he has a hundred and, or one million five hundred thousand, uh, dollar, space dollar bounty on his head. But he's also kind of a hero. And he, the, the character does not ever play it straight. When people say to him, why did you do that? He's like, I'm a pirate. I do what I want. But in his very first appearance, he saves a group of school children. The only reason he does this, the only possible reason to do it, is because they're children and they need to be saved. Oh, I thought it was. But there. afterwards, he says, "No, no, no. Those aliens ruined my lunch. I didn't mean to save you. You just happened to be here when I fought the guys who ruined my lunch." And throughout his character arc, he never admits, kind of like Morpheus in the Sandman, he never admits what's really going on. He never admits that he could change, that he would change, that he is changing. He always says, I'm a pirate, I'm a criminal, this is what I do. But it's clear that he's acting in a manner that proves that he has a hero inside. He's really an awesome character to look at. And the kid who plays him plays it so well because sometimes he looks like he's 19 years old and he's this dun -dun 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 kind of you know peppy kid. And sometimes he'll get all serious and do this troll face where he looks to be in his 30s. It's fascinating to watch. Even though I don't know what he's saying, it's fascinating to watch the acting that goes into the character. And he is a criminal because throughout his appearances, he fights against the evil empire. And eventually, the evil empire comes down and fights him with a giant robot, and he beats the crap out of them. And hooray, a good time would be had. Now, as long as he's a criminal to begin with, I guess he can go on the list. Although, I hope we never do a top five <laughs> colors. Because then it would just be, well, remember in episode number 522 when the Green Ranger did this? And then my number four is the Black Ranger. And okay. then my number three is no, the Yellow Ranger. number 522 <laughs> was during the Ninja Storm season, and there was no Green Ranger in the Ninja Storm season, Stephen. The last Green Ranger would have been two seasons previous. Don't, don't that's be why, that's, that's why we won't have our top don't five favorite colors. That guy, <laughs> My number one, Captain Marvelous. And the reason why, I think I'll actually pro post this. There is a gif of Captain Marvelous and the, and the pirates. They're standing there and the, the Empire is blowing up everything around them. And you see buildings blowing up and everybody ducking. And the last thing you see is him standing there with his arms crossed. And at the bottom it says, and not... A single F was given that day. <laughs> the world is blowing up, and he's just standing there, just looking at you. It's awesome. I thought that uh, I thought that Captain Marvelous was Elton John's alter ego. <laughs> <laughs> I think you may be thinking of Liberace. Any ding dang diddly way. Let's get to Rodrigo's Any number one. Ding dang diddly. diddly. <laughs> 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 I don't know what that was, but that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good, good job, Zach. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm here for the oh, highbrow reading. <laughs> I'm helping. <laughs> I know this one. <laughs> I get the reference. Do you? Do you really? Yeah. <laughs> kind of like a doodling. Good, good job. Good job. Sam. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, uh, number one, it has to be somebody who is very special or very important or has got something really cool going on, right? So, my number one is the number one, because he is a criminal in a society of monsters um, in a city where everybody's job is to be horrendous and scare other people. There is one guy that nobody can stand to be around because he is too scary and too bad and too mean and too no good. And that is, of course... The Oogie Boogie Man yes. from Ooh. The Nightmare Before Christmas. 
Mm. Oh, that's I, I would I would agree. Oh yes. He's bad. I think he, he tells a whole he's song bad, about why he's terrible. Right. Oh yes. He tortures, he is mean to Santa Claus. Um he like the boss of Halloween Town tells some kids, like tells basically his henchmen not to involve him because he's too awful. Yeah, too bad. And he totally turns out to be exactly as awful as you want him, but also totally smooth. <laughs> Who does the voice of, of Mr. Oogie Boogie? Boogie Who does that voice? You oh, know? Is, I think it's Levi Stubbs, isn't it? I don't remember. I should have probably looked this up Hold on. while we were talking. But so we're good. I am I'm at the IMDB. On DB, uh, Ken Page is the voice of Oogie Boogie. Ken Page, a uh, starred in the Broadway as the original in the original uh, cast of Ain't Misbehavin' and Cats. Nice. nice. He has the voice. So, yeah, I mean, in Kingdom Hearts Two. You know, uh, I had a I had a friend who asked me if uh, if I thought that. Um, Frollo from the Hunchback of Notre Dame or mm. um, Scar had the best villain song. Mm. And although, you know, she was strictly comparing Disney guys, I would say that the Oogie Boogie Man has probably the best villain song. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is just so good and so, so dark and scary, but like soulful and just like bopping you know all, all of that stuff all at the same time so Just so great technically um, i could i could rewind and watch it over and over again well the frollo song is just creepy because he's talking about just oh, definitely yes mm-hmm. uh technically and, and that's why that song is special in the disney canon yeah. right it's yeah, because yeah. it's like it it definitely gets really cr- close or actually crosses the line depending on what you how you feel about it yes i'm going to rape this girl because she drives me crazy um if you wanted to say that uh, mr oogie boogie is actually a disney character uh, nightmare before christmas is released by touchstone pictures which is a sub uh sub studio of disney so there you go pow and on a technicality <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody that the is <laughs> my arguments that is uh, that's our list of the top five fictional criminals uh, that we think. Uh, but now it's up to you. Head over to Majorspoilers.com, follow the link in the show notes. Or if you're over at Major Spoilers right now, just scroll down a little bit. See that area? It says leave a comment. You can leave a comment. And if you're Bruce Otter, I'm sure you will leave a very long comment that lists in detail, which is exactly what we want. List in detail yeah. your top five fictional criminals. I don't care if you write a thousand words. Go for it. But please don't just say... My top yeah. five fictional characters are Steven, Hitler, and, I don't know, Charlemagne. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Mecca Hitler from uh, Castle Wolfenstein. Yes, don't, yeah, don't, don't get uh, Mecca Steven. <laughs> Mecca Steven. <laughs> Mecca <Yeah>. Steven. <laughs> Mecca Steven. <laughs> <laughs> so please do us a favor and uh, check that out. Also, did I already throw out some pitches for Amazon? Did I throw out some pitches yet for... Uh, what did you call Not me? in this show. So check it out. If you want to go see The Nightmare Before Christmas, if you have not seen that movie and you want to check out how bad is Mr. Oogie Boogie, or if you want to go check out Parker, or maybe you want to buy the uh, sixth season of DS9, uh, go over to Majorspoilers.com, click on the Amazon.com banner. That'll take you to Amazon, make your purchases, you get your product, a little credit comes our way, and that helps keep this massive ship afloat. And with many of us, it is a very massive ship. Um... And that wraps it up hey, for this issue hey. of the... No, I'm just saying. Zach Hello. Hey. is going to no. not sink. The rest of us, I'm very we need a mighty big ship. <laughs> um, yeah, you want to you wanna talk about massive ships, uh, just uh, listen to our other podcast, Critical Hit, because that's what the fans do. Uh-huh. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yes, listen to Critical Hit, buy some stuff, help us uh, do our thing, and use the comment section. Until next time, remember, everybody loves a list. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. 
Visit Major Spoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners. Also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today. 570-726-6200.